Adanalam Bato Bujo Kanagabata to Sankita Naika Pitaro Kamalaya Taksho Vishwamburo Dujaburo Yukutama Palo Vande Jagat Priyakuro Karunabutaro Jai Jai Sri Chaitanya Jai Nityananda Jaya Dvaita Chandra Jaya Gaur Bhakta Binda Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita ki jai, Sri Krishna Skaviraj ko Sami Mahasaya ki jai, Sri Laisi Bhakti Vedanta Sami Prabhupada ki jai, O Pramanandi. So we're reading from Adi Lila chapter 7, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's conversion of Prakashananda Saraswati and all of the sannyasis and all of the inhabitants of Varanasi. So yesterday we left off with the sudden appearance of a Brahman in the midst of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who came to invite the Lord to take Prashad at his place with all of the other sannyasis. He felt that his invitation to the sannyasis for lunch would not be complete if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not come even though he knew that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was not accustomed to mingling with these sannyasis. A bit curious his behavior was to this Brahman. So he said, Sakula sannyasi muni kainu ni mantran purnahoi morman. I've invited all the sannyasis to my home and my desires will be fulfilled if you will also accept my invitation. Nayaha sannyasi goshti I know, my Lord, that you never mix with other sannyasis, but please be merciful unto me and accept my invitation. So we discussed that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu here is exhibiting the qualities of a Madhimadikari, and this, of course, is an important preaching lila of the Lord. Indeed, the whole lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is sometimes referred to as Acharya lila. And we'll see here his character and how, by his example, first and foremost, he was successful in his conversions of others, more so than by philosophy, although at the same time we'll find he was not without philosophical backing or insight. So anyway, as a Madhu Madhikari, he avoided the company of who? Radharaman. Envious people. Yes, those who are envious, he avoids. What else does the Madhi Madhikari do? Maharaj? Yeah, discrimination. He discriminates between the devotees and non-devotees. Right, there are four types of discrimination that he's characterized by. One, principally, yes, he discriminates. So, Madhi Madhikari means that the intelligence must be engaged in Krishna's service. You have to be a thinking person, thinking about what we're doing. Adhimadikari means nishta. Nishta, what is the characteristic of nishta in Srimad Bhagavatam? Nasta prayeshu abadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya. Bhagavati yutama shloki bhaktir bhavati naishtiki. Naishtiki nishta. Fixed up. And what does Bhagavatam say about that person? That, that he becomes such nishta, naishtiki, nirantarja, by Nastaprayeshu Abhadeshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. What does it mean? Nityam Bhagavata. That's one good explanation. Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. So, always serving the Bhagavat. Bhagavat is the Lord. Yes. Bhagavat is the devotee. And Bhagavat is Granta, Srimad Bhagavatam. Generally, we hear two types of Bhagavata. Book Bhagavata, Devotee Bhagavata. So, Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. Always, regularly, with consistency, serving the Bhagavat means hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. That requires your intelligence. You have to study that book. It is said, Atmaramas Chumunayo Niagranta Api Urukrame. He was 
beyond Sukhdev Goswami, all books, Grantha, Atmaram, self-satisfied. Just like sometimes years ago in my youth when I used to be my principal service, the distribution of Prabhupada's books, every so often I would meet a person who would respond upon my offer of Srimad Bhagavatam that the truth is not in the book. A reality is not to be found in a book. God is beyond the book. So it's true, actually. God is beyond the book. All the books, all the Gaudiya Grant, everything is merely just an outline, at best, of the book of life, in which one page has our name on it, and we are supposed to fill in the, the story, the spiritual story. But if you don't know the outline of the book, then what will you know about the book? So there's some value, much value, to knowing the theory, to know what has come down, and that has come down to a large extent to engage my intellect. Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada used to call civilization of the intellect, and in the end of the Bhagavad Gita, it is mentioned that the study of Bhagavad Gita constitutes what? Worshipping the Lord with one's intelligence. To think about it in every way, from every angle, to engage the intelligence. So this is Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. What is Srimad Bhagavatam? What does uh, Guru Purana say? Yes, what else? What else? You're close, you're right, you're on the same verse. It is Krishna's food song. That's another verse. So many things we can say about Srimad Bhagavatam. You are all great <laughs> Bhagavatam devotees. Guru Prana says, as it says, that Srimad Bhagavatam is the commentary on Gayatri Mantra. It is the Samaveda of the Puranas. And it is the... And what is Vedanta Sutra? Hmm? Vedanta Sutra is that vast undertaking of Badarayan of Vyasadev to show the concordance of all the Upanishads, all the sacred literature, Puranas included, to show, in other words, that they all say the same thing. That as Prabhupada was many times would say, when he met someone from the West who had read Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada would say, have you read Bhagavad Gita? Have you read Bhagavad Gita? And they would say, yes. And then Prabhupada would ask, what question? Do you know? What's the conclusion? And often they would say, well, I, I didn't know there was a conclusion. <laughs> you take the book and you open it up and it has a beautiful poetic statement and, and you close it and you try to think how that applies to your life and they didn't know there was a conclusion. There is a conclusion. And that conclusion of Bhagavad Gita, Gita Upanishad, that is the conclusion of all the Upanishads. They are all saying the same thing and if we look at it, properly, in context. And this is what Vyasa is showing in Vedanta Sutra, writing in codes and aphorism, demonstrating, all coming to the same thing, all saying the same thing. And it is Krishna Bhakti. It is Vedanta's extraordinary knowledge, not ordinary knowledge. Ordinary knowledge is ignorance. The opposite of ordinary knowledge it's not extraordinary. It may not be ignorance, but it's not extraordinary. Ordinary knowledge is the ignorance of our identifying in search of a lasting and enduring experience of happiness with things that don't endure. Sense indulgence, identifying with sense objects for pleasure, that is ignorance. Because why? Sense pleasure is miserable. So the opposite of that, the opposite of the idea that material manifestations hold something for us. They, we cannot hold them. <laughs> they are here today and gone tomorrow. So opposite knowledge of that is that, oh, there's an underlying substance that's one and unified 
as opposed to the variegated appearance of the material manifestation. And if we become grounded in that, that's reality. That's enduring. This is the opposite. From names and forms to the nameless and formless. But as I say, that is not uncommon knowledge. Baldevidibushan in his commentary on Vedanta Sutra, Govindabhasha, what does he say? Just the polar opposite of the ignorance of pursuing the material phenomena world of names and forms, that is not uncommon knowledge. It may be knowledge. Knowledge that the self is enduring and different from the body. It's knowledge, but it's not uncommon knowledge. We can arrive at that, at least theoretically, fairly easily. Going there practically will take some more endeavor. But uncommon knowledge that is even theoretically difficult to grasp. But these foolish Maya bodies who think they're so learned that they go by the very title Ganis, knowledgeable, cannot understand. They could not understand the emotional Sankirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In other words, they could not understand the variety that manifests inside of the unity, another kind of variety, Altogether, Bhagavad says, it is another creation altogether, another world altogether, and full of variety and unified at the same time. Just like in music, we have harmony, but it is not one note, it is many notes, many notes playing in such a way as to come out in a unity that's very charming, captivating. This is the message of Srimad Bhagavatam. This is the knowledge of Srimad Bhagavatam. Achinta Veda Veda Tattva. This is the message of all Vedanta. And that concordance, that attempt, effort, to show that it's all coming to this, either anvayad itarata, directly, indirectly. Just like in Bhagavad Gita. There are many paths in Bhagavad Gita. Dhyana Yoga, Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga, religious life, dharmas spoken of, Bhakti, take your pick. So many, it may appear. Jiva Sami says, this book is not about many things. It's about one topic only. And when we speak about that one topic, we speak directly about what it is, and we speak indirectly about what it is by contrasting it through a description of other paths. In this way, directly shedding light on the glory of bhakti and indirectly shedding light on the glory of bhakti. Everything mentioned in Bhagavad Gita, every path, the result, the fruit of the culture of every path mentioned in Bhagavad Gita is part and parcel of the fruit of the culture of bhakti. And bhakti, of course, is more at the same time. So it's all about one subject. And Vedanta Sutra is this concordance. It's called sometimes Nyaya Shastra. It's logic. There's a logic to it. It shows the logic, it means to say, of the scripture, how it all works together, what its reasoning is. It involves Siddhanta. And what does Siddhanta involve? Oh, there's, it's a fourfold process. You have to find, locate the verse in relation to the chapter, in relation to the verse previous to it and after and so forth. And all these things have to be put together to come with Siddhanta and conclusion. So some logic is involved. But that charge Sarvabhoma wanted to instruct Simon Mahaprabhu in Vedanta logic that he would become fixed up in his vow of sannyas. This was his, of course, profession. Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya, regularly studying Srimad Bhagavatam. That means regularly studying Vedanta Sutra in an easy way, in a charming way. <laughs> because to study Vedanta Sutra is not so charming. It is a little dry in comparison. Bhagavatam is given it in poetry. Very charming, very beautiful. But it requires that we pay attention. What is the import? of the 
fact that Sukhdev Goswami spoke to Maharaj Parikshit in seven days. All of Srimad Bhagavatam. Many things, but one thing is, Parikshit Maharaj was paying attention. We should pay attention studying Srimad Bhagavatam because it means in one, we all have seven days to live. It's either Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. In one of those days, our life, as we know it, materially speaking, will end. And we should hear Srimad Bhagavatam, not seven days in Bhagavat Sapta, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. These seven days, they come over and over again. Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya with the kind of attention as if there are only seven days to take advantage of this. And to take advantage of what? Seven days to take advantage of something that is unlimited. Several times I've given the story of getting education. How the father sent his son to Benares to get an education. The son went, got an education in Benares. This place, Kasi, where Mahaprabhu is dancing and chanting, and the learned sannyasis are questioning his practices, why he's not studying, which is the primary dharma of a sannyasi. To that learned place the son was sent, and from there he returned to Vrindavan, and the father said, so did you get an education? And he said, son said, yes, and father said, in the course of getting your education, did you study Srimad Bhagavatam? That book I didn't study. Father said, go back to Banaris and study Srimad Bhagavatam. Because without that, your education will not be complete. So he went, he studied Bhagavatam, he returned, and Father said, so did you study Srimad Bhagavatam? He says, yes, and I thank you for sending me back. Now I know that my education would not have been complete without studying Srimad Bhagavatam. And Father said, did you understand it? He said, yes. Father said, go back to Banaris and study Srimad Bhagavatam a second time. So he went back, again he studied, again he returned. Father said, so, did you study a second time? Yes, and did you understand? Yes, and I understand why you sent me back to study the second time. After studying the second time, I realized the first time I learned nothing practically from it. It's so vast. So the father said, so you understood? He said, yes. He said, go back, <laughs> study Srimad Bhagavatam again. Again he went, again he studied, again he returned. And father said, so did you understand Srimad Bhagavatam? Son said, Father, I cannot understand Srimad Bhagavatam. Father said, now you've understood Srimad Bhagavatam. And we only have seven days <laughs> to study such a topic. So how much we should pay attention? That will bring you to Nishta. Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. And if you don't have a capacity to study so much, and you may think, well, that's okay for the Maharaj to say, we study so many shlokas, I've got children to take care of, and or I am a child, <laughs> or I wasn't good in school. Incidentally, neither was I, but you may have different reasons and good reasons for not being a scholar. Still, the edict is the same, nityam bhagavata sevaya. And there are two meanings to the bhagavat, book bhagavat and the person bhagavat. So if you can't study the book bhagavat, which, proper study of which is under the guidance of a Bhagavata, a devotee. But if you can't take advantage of the literature and study very well, then serve that Bhagavata, that devotee, who's the embodiment of Srimad Bhagavatam, who knows it very well, who's Nishta and Ruchi, Asakti, Bhav, all of these things, who lives in Srimad Bhagavatam. Serve that Bhagavata. Either study it, become learned in it under him, or serve him. Day and night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you become nishta, nasta praeshu, abadreshu. Practically everything that is inauspicious, rajagun and tamagun, will go from the heart. And what little remains, tarara-rastamobhava, kamalobhadayasche, cheta etaranabhidam stitam sattve prasidate. Next. Evam prasanamanaso bhagavad bhakti yogata bhagavad tattvajnanam mukta sangasya You'll go gradually. Everything will be removed. You'll become situated in sattva and shuddha sattva. And from nishta you'll get ruchi, taste, and liking, natural liking. 
a particular attachment, asakti, a glimpse of your nature, and cultivating that, graduate from sadhana bhakti, enter the world of spiritual emotion that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was living in, floating on the ocean of, and these learned jnanis, they're scratching their head. What kind of sannyasi are you? It's a good question, actually. <laughs> because it's a very special kind of sannyas. <laughs> this uh, Bhakti Marg sannyas of Gaudiya Sampradaya. <laughs> it's very special, very extraordinary. It makes a mockery of the ordinary sannyas in many respects. Plachetana Mahaprabhu didn't mix regularly with these, these kind of sannyasis. He kept the distance. He acted as a Madhumadikari, a preacher. He had this kind of discrimination of a Madhumadikari, at least Nishta, this kind of thing. He avoided envious people. And three other things, what are they? That characterized the Madhumadikari's discrimination. Ishvari tadadineshu balisatsu drisatsu cha prema maitri kripo peksha yakaruti samadhyamaha Ishwar means the Lord. What does he do in relation to the Lord? Prem. He cultivates love. So in relation to the Lord, the deity, he's cultivating his love. Prema Maitri. Maitri means what? Friendship. So he makes friendship with someone. Who? Devotees. Peers. He makes friendship with peers. And drives strength in Metsanga. And then there are people he avoids the envious, and there's another type. He shows kindness to them. Kripa. Premamatri Kripa Peksha. The innocent people. In this way, in a basic sense, these things have been singled out, but overall, as Maharaj has said correctly, he's characterized by discrimination. He's a sentimentalist. He has some sentiment, but it's grounded in proper discrimination and full application, as I'm describing, of his intelligence in Krishna's service. Don't be lazy in this regard. The books are there to be studied. Don't be lazy. Read Srimad Bhagavatam. Read Chaitanya Charitamrita. Read Chaitanya Bhagavad. Read the books of your Guru Maharaj. This will be very helpful. And read them with a view to do what? To fuel your practice, not with a view to collect information. What will be the value of going to the tourist bureau and collecting so many brochures about South India. There are coconuts, there are papayas, beautiful rivers, jungles, wild elephants, religious culture steeped in antiquity, men walking barefoot, wearing wooden shoes, and all these things. You can gather so much information. It doesn't matter how many brochures you collect, how many movies you watch about India. You can never get dysentery watching those. And you can never know what is India without coming here and getting dysentery. <laughs> There's much more to the experience than reading the brochure. Those will be useful only as much as they inspire us to take the trouble to collect the money, hmm? to get the ticket, some purush charger, some purificatory process, get the ticket, bhakti latobija, the seed, then water that with so many instructions and make the flight. Go there. So much information is there about the spiritual world, there's no lack of it. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsatitaka was once criticized, or questioned, I should say, for publishing a daily magazine about spiritual life, Nadia Prakash. His men, brahmacharis, they used to go to the train station, Howard train station in Calcutta. And as people got off the train, they'd say, Nadia Prakash, Nadia Prakash, Nadia Prakash, and hand them out for a paisa, like the New York Times or something, newspaper, hawkers they were. Hmm? This had never been, was never seen in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. This was a revolutionary kind of activity. And someone questioned a, a thoughtful person, how can you produce a magazine every day about spiritual life? And he replied, in the major cities there's one or two newspapers every day about 
material life, and that is only ekapadvibhuti, one fraction of the whole picture. The greater expanse is the tripadvibhuti, vaikuntha. There's so much news from there, so much life there, that we could produce a newspaper every minute. The only reason we don't is what? No customers. Not enough customers. <laughs> There's no lack of information, but all of that information, however many books, again, as I said, it's just an outline of the book of life. Just an outline. People may say, yes, it's not in the book, as they said to me sometimes when I tried to sell. Yes, it's not in the book, but you can only say that justifiably if you've read the book. If you know everything that's in the book first, then you can talk about going beyond the book. That was the position of Sukadev Goswami. He was Nigranta, beyond books. Atmaram, self-satisfied. And what did he do? Bhagavad says, he took the trouble to study Srimad Bhagavatam, even though he was Atmaram. He was a general Atmaram. In Gyanmarg, Atmaram in Bhakti, that is another thing, to take pleasure in that self, to give pleasure to that self, <laughs> the Supreme Lord, and, and relish in that regard. To be pleased, to take pleasure because it will give pleasure to Krishna. You know that the gopis are very blissful? Do you know why they accept that bliss? Chaitanya Charitamrita says, only because they know it will please Krishna. Otherwise, they have no interest in that. This is yayatma samprasiditi, ahituki apatihata, the parodharma of Srimad Bhagavatam. This is Atmaram. So Sukadev took the trouble to study Srimad Bhagavatam. We should take the trouble. So yes, it is more than the book, but you don't get there without first getting what's in the book. So try to gather the theory and try to gather it, as I say, with a spirit to fuel the practice that we may become inspired to take the trouble, and it's troublesome hmm? to go there. At least up to Nishta, it's troublesome. Like if you were to climb a great mountain, to get to the top, you want to go to the other side. It may be difficult to get to the top, but once you get to the top and you can see the other side, going up, it's a theory. There's another side, and there's a downside to this, <laughs> and there's a valley on the other side. And you're hearing from someone who's at least standing on the peak. You're looking this side. It's beautiful over there. You're looking this side and saying, it's troublesome over there. Come to the side. And when we get to the top, then it's all downhill from there. Make some effort. An effort? What is our effort? In something that is effortless. Bhakti. How can we make progress in bhakti? It is only by mercy. So what is the point of speaking of effort, Maharaj? If Krishna wants me to become Krishna conscious, I will become Krishna conscious. People used to say that to me. If God wants me to take the book, I'll take the book. I said, he does. <laughs> he does. And I'm here to tell you about that. He wants you to want it, to be sensible. But if you want to be in ignorance, then he'll allow that too. So what is our effort? Just like if a man in the jungle falls in a well, how will he get out? Deep down in the well, how will he get out? Hmm? Make sound. Make sound, that's good. <laughs> he make a sound, right. Help! Hmm? What will happen? Then someone will come and throw a rope, right? Maybe. Hmm? Maybe. That's right. And that's a good maybe. He's, he's Swarat. Swatanta Ishwar, we heard about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Completely independent. But affectionate. Bhakatavatsal. He's controlled, if at all, by affection. It means it's his nature. He's independent, but his nature is such. So if you call help, Hare Krishna, <laughs> call help, please help me. Prabhupada was once asked about yoga, and he said, yoga? We just say, oh, my dear Krishna, please help me. That's yoga. That's all. So someone will come and throw a rope, a kind person. Gurudev will throw the rope, and he will say, grab the rope, and we will grab the rope, and he will pull us out. And when we get to the top, what will we say? Boy, I sure held on to that rope pretty good, didn't I? No, that thought will not even enter our mind. 
where you'll think, you saved me. And he would say, well, you did a pretty good job holding on to that rope. That was hard. <laughs> you say, no, I, uh, that's of no consequence. Hmm? So both things are there. We shall make the effort. But if we make the effort properly, then we'll feel like our progress is all a result of mercy. And that's the reality, because the very rope to hold on to, that it was extended to us. So Mahaprabhu here is showing example of a Madhyamadhikarya. Madhyamadhikarya wants to make progress. We can describe it according to Shastra in different ways. We quoted from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu yesterday, today from, and yesterday from Bhagavad, and today further from Bhagavad, this idea of Madhyamadhikarya. But again, these are just uh, general descriptions. There's more to it than that. There's, it's not black and white. The basic, the spirit of it, the difference between the Madhyamadhikarya and Kanishtadhikarya, the spirit of wanting to make progress. We should try to make advancement in spiritual life every single day. With every rising and setting of the sun. That with every rising and setting of the sun, what? Day is lost. Therefore, <laughs> When the sun comes up, we should think of Krishna Sankirtan. If we haven't already, if we aren't up already, Arunodaya, rise to the Sankirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Many other things we may have to do. We are conditioned souls, so we have obligations relative to our bodily identification, our mental identification, national identification. We can theorize about the illusory nature of these things, but to do away with them is not so easy. To transcend them, I should say, is not so easy. So we are obliged to some extent. But we should not allow our obligation due to identification, material identification with these things, to obscure what we're really doing every day. Every day we are trying to make spiritual progress. And every day we should gauge how successful our day was or how much progress we've made at night taking rest. Analyze, what did I do, what did I not do? What did I say I do and what did I not do? And make commitment next morning to rise and and do better. This is a Madhimadikari attitude in general. We should have this and try to call our progress regularly. So Mahaprabhu kindly in his Acharya Leela setting example of Madhimadikari. Acharya means who teaches by example. So here he's teaching to avoid the sannyasis, at the same time now he's made an arrangement himself for a Brahmin to come, invite him into their company. He didn't go uninvited. He didn't charge into their temple <laughs> and say, hey, uh, you should listen to me. This was not Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's way. When we, by force of circumstance, negative circumstances, at the time of the departure of our Gurudev, by force of negative circumstances that came to, that arose, that were in one sense, looked at it in another light, positive, because they shed glory on the greatness of our Gurudev, how he was holding all of us together in some unified form. And when he left, how it became ununified, what was his greatness? But... Although it can be taken like this in a positive light, it, it was very disconcerting. So in that sense, negative circumstances on one side and on the other side, the charming and compelling Sangha of Om Vishnupad Bhakti Rakshak Siddhadeva Goswami Maharaj. But the combination of these two things, some of us were, and we are all coming in this line, we're fortunate to come to the position we are in Today, as I say, uh, nine of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, uh, Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, Sridhar Maharaj. This is our Guru Parampara. We were fortunate to get his association. Positive influence on that side, negative influence of confusion on the other side. He taught us, if you feel in your heart that it will be good for you, spiritually, to come in this direction, and it meant leaving a rather large institution that had a 
still, in spite of its being troubled, still offered a fair amount of, at least in form, support. I said, if you feel then the calling that your interest in spiritual life or your capacity to serve your Gurudev will be enhanced by moving from that sector, then by all means you should do so. But if you have some doubt, maybe you should stay where you are. And if you do come out, he said, come alone with nothing. Not even your books you can take. It all belongs to the institution. That all belongs there. Because everything you did previously was in relation to that institution. Of course, it was of spiritual color, and, and so, but still, even if you think it's changed color, still, you leave it there. Go with nothing. We got the chance, some of us, like Sri Padna, Maharaj, and I, who already had taken sannyas from Prabhupada, to take sannyas again. To go empty-handed with nothing. Nothing but undeserved bad reputation. For having been taking shelter of an eminently qualified and highly recommended Sikshaguru. And then he himself, in some enthusiasm for what he was teaching, one of my godbrothers who was who remained in Iskand took his picture and put it on the altar of the temple in one city in America. When he heard about it, he was mortified, Sridhar Maharaj. He said, I will be seen as an intruder. I'm mortified at the thought that I will be known in history for being an, an aggressor against Iskand. It is so far removed from my feeling for that institution of my godbrother. So he didn't teach us to come out, come out. Yeah, if you feel what I'm saying mandates that, then come and stand on the feet of your shraddha and see what kind of devotee you are. I will help, but I'm old, I'm in the background. The calling means for preaching, you have to go and do something. And it's true. In a group, you may move more slowly. And as an individual, you may be able to go more quickly. But you may also go down. Oh, you have to balance all these things. Such nice advice he gave. And we were not taught to challenge, break into the institution. And we have some differences. They may be voiced here and there when need be. It's not our preoccupation, but it does come up. But we're not to challenge into the institution and picket it outside. Why can't we be let in? <laughs> not like that. Mahaprabhu did not charge into their company. Brahman came and invited. So on invitation, he went. Even myself, I follow this standard of Guru Maharaj. Sometimes I get invitation. I was recently invited by one nice devotee to come to Nubrandavan. Please come, Maharaj, and speak there. It would be so nice. I said, yes, I would love to come, but if some of the leaders don't want me to come, even though you do, and there may be others, then I don't want to come. So we should... Sometimes we have to be aggressors. Of course, I can go the opposite direction and tell how Prabhupada used to be pleased with me when people would complain, devotees would complain. He's selling the books and people are complaining. And Prabhupada would say, well, if you're not preaching, then no one complains. As soon as you preach, then there will be some complaints. So he's doing good. <laughs> so, of course, that is, like I said yesterday, in Prabhupada's language, a lion on the chase and a lamb at home. So this is amongst, uh, I'm speaking my example, amongst devotees. And also from the fact that, as this chapter is emphasizing, and as I brought up briefly already, we should try to convert others by our example. That will charm them. Then the logic will make sense. Once we get charmed, then all the logic that that person has to offer will become our logic. And charmed means some Sukriti is there from the past before we embrace the logic of Vaishnavism, when a Vaishnava speaks to us. So how we will convert? Convert by purification. I remember when I used to sell the books then, one of my primary objectives was to get them to hold the book, just to hold on to it. 
So they, I would say, hello, where are you coming from? And they shake the hand and I'd say, well, let me show you one of these. And I would hold it out and kind of like let it go. <laughs> and it would just, so they'd just hold on to it. Because in a simple way I had a faith, if they hold the Bhagavatam, Yasmin Patishlokam Avadhavati Yupi, Prabhupada used to say, and this is verse from Bhagavatam, one sloka, Yasmin Patishlokam Avadhavati Yupi, it would change your life. And Prabhupada used to say, one sloka, one word, if they touch the book, we had faith. If they touch the book, the course of their life will be changed. So I would think, I'll get him to hold the book. Then I'll be in a better position to try to explain him what's in it. He'll have some sukriti By service, by engaging the people, and by engaging ourselves, real knowing will come. Bigyan. So... I'm sorry, I've talked a long time on a few verses, but this is what Mahaprabhu will do. Now he will go in the midst of the sannyasis, and he will make an arrangement to create some sukriti. And we'll hear about that tomorrow. Simon Mahaprabhu ki jai. Any question? Jai Prabhu. Again, from you mentioned that because of the nature of the necessity of Gadamha Pandit, that even a little service to him will attract the greatest remuneration. The question is, is there a practical way in our present condition that we can serve the Gadamha Pandit? Well, I think that the main thing is to understand the principle there. And Rather than to think of personal service to Gadadhar Pandit, it may be better for us to think in terms of the mission of Mahaprabhu that is under the influence of Gadadhar Pandit, the very bhav and color of Sri Radha, whom Gadadhar represents in, in Gaurlila. It would be more practical for us to think how to serve the necessity of the mission at any given moment. It has come to us, Gadadhar and Gaur, in a general sense, have come to us in this shape, practical shape. The mission has come to collect us up, to engage us practically in so many ways, and it has its necessity for its nourishment and its growth. Its nourishment is its growth, which involves nourishing others. So try to find the necessity of the mission. Try to find the necessity of the acharya, of the mission and place your serving energy there and that will bring the greatest remuneration. Another question? Go ahead. Originally what? Well, the term was given by Jiva Goswami to describe the reality, the Vedanta of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What is the Vedanta of Goranga? In other words, what is the uh, scriptural and logical and uh, so forth reality of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? He gave that term in Sarvasamvadini, his own tika to uh, Satsandarbha. Yes, Maharaj. We give a lesson as the Parishra Badreshu. So, could you explain again why it is that the Anathis reduced Abhadra reduced almost in the world? Because it's describing the stage of Nishta, that verse. It's saying by this type of culture, almost to nil, means you come to Nishta. It doesn't mean if you go on studying Bhagavatam, you'll only. It'll only be almost. <laughs> It'll only be almost. But it's saying that, just like Prabhupada used to give the example of the fan, if you pull out the plug, it may still go around. So Nishta is like that. There may be trace elements of Rajas and Thomas, and it may be seen even in the person of a devotee who's Nishta. But they don't affect his bhakti. It's Nishta. It's fixed in his practice. So... It's simply describing that stage. 
we will get to the higher stage of completely of prem when all anarthas are eradicated. Anarthas are eradicated gradually, but at nishta it's like a, the principal, primary anarthas that get in the way and inhibit us from practicing with the kind of dhridhavrata. Bhagavad Gita says the same thing. What is the verse? Yeah, that's one. That is also nishta. But dhridhavrata. If we serve with determination, Bhagavad Gita says, it has to be some purification, punyam, purification that's taken place in order to do that. So nishta means principle on arthas are removed. Whatever remains influence Rajagunta, it doesn't affect our bhakti. Beneath that, it may affect our bhakti. We cannot do our practice. It interferes. So this is nishta. And tadara, just an old bhavakam, a little bit of it. Still some, these two verses describe nishta in Bhagavad. Almost completely. And then the implication is, you have now the kind of as a result of the kind of determination to practice and to continue your study of Bhagavatam to get a taste, because you're not going to get the ruchi from uh, sometimes study Bhagavatam, sometimes not. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I'll go to the maybe I'll go to the Bhagavat class on Sunday uh, every day. Then you get the kind of determination to practice in such a way that you'll get the ruchi taste and attachment find yourself in the book somewhere you'll find oh, this place I like very much somewhere in the tenth candle <laughs> another question yes How different? I'm not sure I understand your question, but Krishna is Swam Bhagwan. That means Vishnu is inside of Krishna. Do you understand? Just like um, your father. Your father is your father. But maybe your father has a job, for example. So some people at work know him by a different name. They know something about him, but they don't know about his family life. You understand? But you know about his job, and you know about his family life. But his job life is inside him. When he goes to work, that comes out. Mr. So-and-so comes out. Doctor? Dr. Kumar. Hello, Dr. Kumar. Namaste. Comes out. And then when he goes back home, he's still doctor. But doctor goes inside, and he is... Pita. Pita Ji. Something. Namaste. You understand? So, inside Krishna is Vishnu. So, when Krishna killing so many demons... The Vishnu inside is doing the killing. Do you understand? Does that answer your question? When Krishna was born in Mathura, then he took, he made a four-armed form. And Bhagavatam says, Krishnavutar, about this form. And then uh, uh, Vasudev took that Devakinandan Krishna, not four-handed, but in two-handed, Devakinandan Krishna sometimes has two hands, sometimes four hands. Just like in Kurukshetra, in Bhagavad Gita, in Mahabharata. Everybody almost saw Krishna with four hands, but Arjuna did not see Krishna with four hands. Because of the nature of his prem, his kind of love, he saw Krishna two-hand. If he had seen Krishna with four hands, he could have never sat on the same bed with him, said, hey Krishna, hey Adava, hey Saketi. All these names are like derogatory. Hey Krishna, hey Yadava. 
distinguishing himself. No, you are Yadava. Arjuna is talking like that to Krishna, out of love. But as soon as Krishna shows four hands or universal form, Virata Rup, then Arjuna is going, Om, my God, Om, Om, Om Narayan, Om Narayan. <laughs> so this Devakinandan Krishna, this Vasudev Krishna, sometimes four hands, sometimes two hands he's showing. But Krishna and Vrindavan always showing two hands. But four-handed Krishna is inside. When Krishna left uh, the Basant Rasalila in Gita Govinda for Jaidev, gopis came searching for Krishna. And he appeared before them as four-handed Narayan. And they paid their dandavat to him. And they said, have you seen Krishna? Can you tell us where to find Krishna? Does that answer your question? You sure? Vishnu is inside of Krishna. Krishna is just affectionate. He doesn't really kill anybody. But the Vishnu in him will establish dharma. And you see, in the Brajlila, it's not about establishing dharma. And therefore, the sense in which that's done is all based on influences from outside of Vrindavan coming into Vrindavan. Kamsa sending demons from outside of, into Vrindavan. And when Krishna leaves outside of Vrindavan, then he's doing the work of Dharma samstapanartaya sambhavami duge duge yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata. You know it? That is all outside of Vrindavan. If there is Dharma in Vrindavan, it is prema dharma. And that is the principal reason, really, for Krishna's descent. Out of prema, out of love for his devotees who are feeling separation from him. So the fighting and all the killing the demons and all, just like Mahaprabhu killing the demons also by preaching, that is the Yuga Avatar aspect. It's a pretty high theological question you had there, young man. <laughs> Anything else? They've learned many What is your name? Keshav Das. Keshav Das? Very nice. Sisi Goradhamadav ki jai. Chaitanya Chaitamrita ki jai. Sivasi Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada ki jai. Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada ki jai. Maharaj ki jai. Chaitanya Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada ki jai. Shri Pad Bhakti Bhavan Vishnu Maharaj ki jai. Shri Rup Madhav Maharaj ki jai. Bhakti Vigyana Giri Maharaj ki jai. Sripad Bhakti Gaurabhanar Singha Maharaj ki jai. Bhakti Abhay Tridani Maharaj ki jai. Bhakti Vindu ki jai. Pramanandi Hribo. Jai 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 Jai